This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. For the cheese heads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And the season has ended quicker than we would have liked. Um, we still at least have some football for a couple weeks. Wildcard weekend this weekend. Super wildcard weekend, excuse me. There is a game on Monday night now, um, divisional round, conference championships, and then the Super Bowl in mid-February. So still some football to look forward to, but unfortunately not Packers football. So, Perry, we've had some time to kind of digest the loss a little bit, and we said on Monday that this show would be about the season as a whole. So let's just let's just dive right in with some overall thoughts on the season. Majorly disappointing in all aspects of everything. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, if I think about how I feel, how I felt at the beginning of the season, I think we knew that the offense was going to struggle. I don't know if we anticipated how much it was going to struggle. I think I definitely expected more out of Aaron Rodgers after the contract that they gave him. Um, But I will say after the, Lions game like this team just wasn't a playoff team and I know that December was really fun and exciting and kind of sucked fans back in but I'm almost relieved that we don't have to watch this team go out to San Francisco and get a total like beat down and I'm not even like saying that out of like you know hyperbole because they play poorly in SF like this team truly is not a playoff contending team and they like kind of showed it at the end of the season. They think like everything really came full circle, right? All the issues that we saw all season kind of all cropped up at the end and um, just massively disappointing that so many players didn't play up to their full potential. Yeah. I think that's what made this season so challenging is even when they were kind of on the upswing and they had started to win games again, it just felt like this team had never lived up to the hype. And, you know, at some point, hype only does so much. Obviously, we know that. But the aspirations that the players had about being a Super Bowl contending team, analysts were picking them, you know, to be a favorite in the NFC, um, talking about potentially having a top five defense, you know, with the pieces that they added. Um, So I think maybe the biggest surprise for me, or one of them, with just thinking about thoughts on the season as a whole, was that, this team was much further away than we thought. And we kind of alluded to that on Monday when we talked about the, the recap and what was coming, but definitely felt like, you know, this was a season where the window was just hanging open for a little bit longer. And I think that this, the way that the season has ended has officially shut the window. Oh, a hundred percent. And like, there's been talk since, you know, the game of like kind of, Coaches, and obviously we haven't heard from Brian Gutekunst yet, but just like this sense that like people want to run it back. And I think that that is the worst idea humanly possible. Um, This team will just, it would be like what we watched the Steelers try to do at the end of Big Ben's career where, and I'm not comparing Aaron Rodgers to Big Ben because Rodgers is still playing like leaps and bounds better than Ben was, but just like this stretching of not wanting to acknowledge that the window of your Hall of Fame quarterback has closed and you need to either like just kind of make a decision about what you're going to do moving forward. I think the added disappointment of this season is that the NFC was wide open. Like if there was ever a year where the Packers like 
really could have made a push, this was the year. You know, the Eagles obviously went undefeated for the longest. They're clearly the best in the NFC, but they have their flaws. The Packers kind of took it to them when they played them late in the year. Like Tom Brady and the Bucks are bad. You know, you have you're looking at the Giants and the Vikings making it in the 2020 or 2021 Packers. It could have could be both of those teams. You know, you get an SF team that's playing really well, but it's still their third string quarterback in Brock Purdy. We have no idea how he's going to perform under like the playoff bright lights. Like the NFC is wide open and the Packers couldn't capitalize. And that to me is so disappointing because you're thinking about a guy who really genuinely deserved a second Super Bowl. Like I don't think anyone can argue against the fact that Rodgers deserved a second Super Bowl. Um, and to think now, like you said, with the window being reasonably shut, it's just not going to happen again. Yeah, and I think, you know, not to discredit the rest of the NFC North, but for a long time, and, you know, part of that was the play of the offense, the play of Aaron Rodgers. You know, he won back-to-back MVPs. He's a four-time MVP in the league for a reason, but part of the reason that it was so easy for the Packers to get into the playoffs was the way that they competed with the NFC North. You know, they were always able to bully teams like the Bears and bully teams like the Lions. And the fact that you've got the Vikings as the favorites now in the NFC North, you've got the Bears with the number one overall pick. The Lions arguably could have, should have, you know, made a wild card push as one of those wild card teams. Their path, the Packers, their path to the playoffs this season and beyond is a lot more challenging now because their division is no longer the layup that it was for the majority of Aaron Rodgers' tenure as a quarterback. So regardless of if he comes back, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit with this offense here, but, you know, it's it's definitely going to be some tough sledding compared to, you know, the way that they were just kind of able to waltz into the playoffs previously. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so let's take a look at this offense because I don't know about you, but I think it really does come down to the way Aaron Rodgers played. And I don't... I don't want to say that he had to be perfect. He has to always be perfect. He has to be the hero that we've seen for the last, you know, 15 plus years in order for this team to have won. He needed to buy in to Matt LaFleur, right? And be the quote unquote game manager, if you will, that we saw over 2020 and 2021 and the last couple of years, there was like plenty of Aaron Rodgers magic. Obviously he was an MVP for a reason, but I think he was MVP because he was working within a really QB friendly scheme. And then Matt was able to kind of like dovetail off of Rodgers is just like raw talent and athleticism and like marry the two. And granted he had one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in football to throw to and you know, Devonte just got voted another into another all pro, like, you know, you lose that talent, you lose that talent. But this season, like Aaron Rodgers really needed to be perfect. And he really needed, I think, to lean even more into the LaFleur like scheme of just like taking what's in front of him, attacking the middle of the field, the RPO, the play action, and all of that just got very lost. I got very lost and there were, it was just an inconsistent offense that really underperformed. And I think maybe you and I had, you know, higher expectations for the skill players that were on this roster going into the season, thinking like, oh, it won't be so bad. But it was bad. It, it was just inconsistent, I think. And you can't win football games when things are super inconsistent. So, I mean, I'll give you like, you look at the now we have all the stats from the year i mean points per game 14th yards per play 13th pff grade 12th dvoa 11th that's their highest epa per play 14th they were a mediocre offense with aaron Rodgers, and that to me is kind of like all encompassing of what this season was which was just like again like underperforming expectations yeah, and I mean the caveat here, of course, is that it's a seventeenth game or seventeen game season now, but just the twelve picks even from Rogers, uncharacteristic, you know, yeah. the highest total except for the thirteen picks that he threw in his his first year as a starter in two thousand eight. 
And a lot of that, you know, we talked about the ways that we thought that this offense could struggle, right? Aaron Rodgers takes some time to acclimate with rookie receivers. He's got Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs as two players that are going to have to step up and, you know, make an impact for the offense. This offense dealt with injuries. The offensive line didn't have David Bakhtiari, didn't have Elton Jenkins. Like, there's a lot of reasons that this offense was supposed to struggle or we, you know, predicted that they would struggle. But I don't think we expected the struggles to be as abundant as they were, especially when you're talking about a quarterback that in his second year with Matt LaFleur had 48 touchdowns. And even last year, you know, had 37 touchdowns. And, you know, I don't want to put all of the blame on him, but you just kind of wonder, you know, what happened because it felt like this offense was in such a rhythm. And having Devontae Adams helps, obviously. Having an all-pro receiver does help with that. But I feel like, and, you know, maybe you agree with this or disagree with this, I felt like this season we heard a lot more about Aaron Rodgers' dissatisfaction with the play calling. And I don't know if that's because they were losing games. And it's easy to, you know, ignore some of those things when you're winning football games. But it felt like that was a really big narrative this season that he disagreed with a lot of the play calls or wanted to call plays. And we didn't hear about that in 2020 or 2021. This is what I mean by like the lack of buy-in. Like, I just agree with you. You could even see there being like, you know, debate, if you will, on the field mid game. And like you, you can hear Aaron Rodgers check out of place. He says, can, 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 like you heard it all the time and credit to Matt LaFleur. I mean, of course you're going to have to give Aaron Rodgers like some level of leeway here, but I wonder, and we'll never know this if that like derailed game plans when Rodgers is like continuously checking out of place. And again, there's some level of bias when it works, right? Like you right. said, like, when it works, nobody's complaining, but when it doesn't work, it exposes a lot of issues. And like, you can point to a number of different scenarios where like potentially it was clearly Matt LaFleur's play calling that just didn't work out. And I think that's just going to happen, right? Every coach has those moments, but it is a little bit more clear now that there was like disagreement between the signal caller, the play caller and the guy throwing the football. And I'm sure that was the issue. I think also in terms of, if you're going to look at like coaching and play calling, like, and again, this could be they're a very RPO heavy team. And like, maybe Rogers was checking out of these run looks, but like, they ran the football so inconsistently and you knew, you knew going into the season, the run game was going to have to be the backbone of this offense, especially with like young receiving core and a tight end room. That's like meh. And they, again, were super inconsistent with the run game, even though it worked when you consistently give Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon touches over, I think it's 15 touches or more in a game Packers tend to win. And we can look at, we'll talk about the red zone later, but Again, I don't know if that's play calling and I don't know if it's to your point, it's Aaron Rodgers just like disagreeing and still kind of wanting to take the game into his hands, so to speak, um, pun intended. But it just ended up being, you know, inconsistent ball. Yeah. And I, I will say that, like, I, one of the bright spots, which was really surprising, I went back and I looked at a lot of Aaron Jones stats from, you know, his tenure under Matt LaFleur and, he didn't have a thousand yards rushing in 2021, but he did have over a thousand yards from scrimmage and he's continued to have a thousand yards from scrimmage or more since Matt LaFleur became head coach. I, I did think it was surprising that his 1,121 yards rushing were the most of his career on the ground. You know, it doesn't count his all purpose yards. That total isn't his highest, but for only having two rushing touchdowns on the season, I was kind of surprised at the productivity that he had on the ground because and I guess kind of frustrated because you think about all the times we clamored at the TV to get Aaron Jones the ball or to give him more touches. And you wonder what his touchdown total, what his what his yardage total would look like if he was given more opportunities or, like you said, more touches with the football. Yeah. And it's so funny because I think, you know, you talk about he's this is his best like rushing season. And yet it still feels like he didn't have the ball enough. Right. Which is so crazy to me, because if you think about all those games where we're looking at the stats, you know, recording this podcast and we're going, Aaron Jones only had 12 touches in this game. Aaron Jones only had nine touches in this game. Like, think about what he could have had if it was really a feed Aaron Jones like led offense. I think we also expected that the running backs would be more involved in the past game and they weren't. I, I don't mean that in that like. 
Rogers didn't target them. I just honestly think that like they were asked to do things that they weren't, they aren't meant to do, you know, like Rogers didn't take the check downs that, you know, he could have to AJ. Or he missed them wide open in the flat. Or he missed them wide open in the flat. Thank you. You literally read my mind. (laughs) Or he's chucking them down the field as if they're wide receivers. And like, quite frankly, yes. Do they both have good hands, but are they wide receivers? No. Right. Like there was no more running back friendly, like pass plays this season. And they should have been more involved in the pass game. Because again, like we said, the passing offense just took quite a bit of time and quite frankly, never really got to where it could have been or should have been. Yeah. And I mean, AJ Dillon obviously benefited from a lot of those red zone touches. He had seven rushing touchdowns on the season, which is the most of his career, um, but 976 yards from scrimmage total. And that's counting the just over 200 yards he had receiving. So he missed his 1000 yard um, all purpose mark. Um, I know that he and Aaron Jones both hit, both hit that last season. So just kind of some head scratchers, I think, for this offense and the productivity. And, you know, I guess the counterpoint of that is that you could flip and say, like, did we expect Christian Watson to have 611 yards and seven touchdowns? Probably not. You know, yeah. did we expect Alan Lazard to have almost 800 yards and six touchdowns? Maybe, probably not. You know, so I think that we saw benefits from some of these receivers um, or some of these key pieces on the offense. And then, you know, that kind of detracted from the productivity of other skill positions. Totally. And I think if you look at the stats, like there are obviously bright spots, like Christian Watson being one of them. Alan Lazard, good season. He's not a number one, you know, and you're asking him to do number one things. And that's not, that's just not his role. And to me, the stats don't really like show how poorly the passing offense was in, in terms of like situational football, because that to me is like the crux of this offense's issues where like they would get rolling and have great drives. And I, I keep coming back to the red zone, but like stall out in the red zone and then they get behind and it would be like one, two, three passing. And you're like, where did the run game go? Right. This says like kind of up and downness of it all. And it was so consistently inconsistent in that way that I'm wondering, like, again, like, what was the plan going into the game? What were the scripted plays? What did Rogers check out of? Like, what is this offense going to look like if it's like in its truest form, the Matt LaFleur offense? Because if it's like this, right, if Jordan, let's say like hypothetical Jordan loves quarterback, I'm sure if that's the case, there's going to be additional like issues that arise with like a first year starter. But if these similar like play calling inconsistencies happen, then at that point, I think we can point to Matt LaFleur and say, okay, maybe Matt just like gets in game and gets lost. But if there's consistency in terms of like style of play calling and like type of plays that are being called, then like, I think we can point to Aaron Rodgers being the person who is checking out of things. And that doesn't mean that he was wrong. And like, there was like execution issues right? It just means that's what it was, like, period. So it's just a very, very nuanced understanding of this offense, because as we've learned over the last few years, like, there's the offense, and then there's Aaron Rodgers' offense. And you never really know which one you're going to get. And it got, I'm sure, extra tricky this season with a lot of first-year starters. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%, whether it's Jordan Love, whoever. We talked about it in the middle of the season. We talked about it now. We don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, whether Jordan Love is the quarterback if Aaron Rodgers comes back. But we both have said on this podcast before that we're excited for whenever that happens, whenever this time comes, that Aaron Rodgers does retire from Matt LaFleur to be calling plays for a new quarterback. Because, you know, we saw Aaron Rodgers scramble against the Vikings for a touchdown and put the belt on. And that was fun and it was nostalgic. But the way that Matt LaFleur can call an offense obviously will differ from a purely pocket passer like Aaron Rodgers. You know, almost it's it sounds silly to call it old school at this point, but old school quarterbacking to somebody like Jordan Love who can use his legs. And whether it's Jordan Love, whoever it is under center next season, if it's not Aaron Rodgers, um, I think the play calling will be different. And I'd be really curious to see if the red zone offense continues to struggle or, you know, and we can't attribute that solely to the quarterback because you've got guys like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs that'll be in a second year in an offense, but really looking forward to kind of seeing what that looks like when Matt LaFleur has, who is a quarterback person gets to work with a new quarterback. And I think to your point, 
about, you know, development from receivers, but like this team, this offense, I think in particular, we'll talk about the defense in a second, but this offense in particular, like just from a personnel standpoint is going to look very different next season. Like this was like, there's going to be a serious changing of the guard. I think in like really key areas, like I think there's going to be pretty much an entire entire overhaul of the tight end position, which quite frankly is fine with me. Like I said, I think they're just meh. Um, there's going to be now, you know, I fully think that like Lazard is not going to be on this team anymore. Randall Cobb is not going to be on this team anymore. Like this is now going to run through our two young rooks, which is awesome. Like they were the bright spots of the season. Um, obviously Romeo Dodds kind of struggled a little bit coming back from his injury, but I think that's normal. Um, but like, that's going to be like the focal point now. And again, I could no idea about the running back position, but this team was just, this offense was just so like straddling this like old and new and it didn't work out for them this season. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's flip it then and talk about the defense because I think underwhelming maybe is a, is a fair way to describe the defense this season. There were so many expectations. They got all of their pieces back. You look at you know the contributions that Rasul Douglas made last season. Devondre Campbell made all pro. So the expectations were really high going into a season where you get your other all pro back in Jair Alexander. You have Eric Stokes making us what we all assumed would be a second year leap. And then, you know, Rashawn Gary gets injured. Eric Stokes gets injured and lost for the season. And everything just kind of shifts for this defense. And they were struggling before the injuries, of course. But I do think that especially the Rashawn Gary injury made this season an uphill battle, you know, from his injury on. Yeah, I mean, I think he like really exposed the fact that without him, this Packers team does not have a good pass rush. And like... It's so funny because I think fans will be really upset if the Packers like take an edge early. Just going to say that. But they need one. They need oh, yeah. someone beside b- behind Rashawn Gary. And like Preston is fine, but Preston is a two. Preston is a number two. Preston plays so much better when somebody else is getting that like initial pressure. So, but to like back it up a second, like just to give everyone like, underwhelming is like an understatement I think I mean people were picking this defense to be like you said top five in the league they ended points per game 17th below average yards per play 28th PFF grade 21st DVOA 20th EPA 20th that's a bad defense that's like an objectively bad defense and when your offense is struggling as much as they were of course you're going to lose games when that's your defense. And again, like these are, these don't take into account like lots of different factors. There's obviously like variables and situational, et cetera. And there were definitely times where this defense carried the offense for sure. I will give them that. But again, it was just really poor situational cohesive football like across the board across all three phases in the season so it didn't matter when the defense really was playing at its best I do hope that this last five weeks is more indicative of what this team can be versus like the earliest part of the season because I do think this team has way too much talent to be ranking that low in all those statistics but I don't love hearing that Joe Barry is potentially going to come back I don't think that he's the answer And I don't think he's maximized his player strengths. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of this season, looking at these numbers, like there were bright spots, you know, say what you want about Jair Alexander. You know, he had a career high of five interceptions, 14 passes defense. Russell Douglas had four picks still. So, and 13 passes defense, you know, these are guys that get their hands on the football. Um, Rudy Ford was kind of a fun find at safety. Not sure if he'll be back. We don't know what the safety room is going to look like at all next season. Guys like Amos will be back. Whatever will happen with Darnell Savage. But I thought, to to your point, one of the most telling numbers is that Rashawn Gary played in nine games and had six sacks. Preston Smith played in all 17 games and ended the season with eight and a half sacks. 
So he had eight extra games to get two and a half sacks. And that just, you know, you, you said it already, but I was going to come on here in this, sec- this section of the show and say, when the Packers take an edge rusher at 15th overall, Twitter is going to implode. But I think that that, you know, the Rashawn Geary injury was an illustration of why Brian Gutekunst values edge rushers so much. It's a blue chip position for a reason. It's a take it in the first round often for a reason, because when your pass rush is clicking and working, it trickles back through the entire rest of your defense. And it asks much less of your secondary. It asks much less of your linebackers. Like it's, it's so, so important. And the Packers have a star. They lost their star. Like think about if any other team, like it's like when the Niners lose Bosa, right? And the Chargers lost their Bosa or like Dexter Lawrence goes like, it's like any other team has dealt with these kinds of injuries and you see what happens to their defense. It totally changes them. It is a matter of, and this is roster building at its finest is can you fill that gap? And the answer to the question for the Packers this season was no, you cannot fill like they did not have the talent to fill Rashawn Gary's gap. Now, I think JJ and Ibarre had a great like rookie season. Like again, there are certainly like bright spots, but yeah, edge rushes, edge rushes up there. I want to talk about the secondary because, like you said, I think there's going to be a lot of changes. And you know, safety position was something that we had pointed out that we had hoped they would target this past off season, and they didn't. And it backfired on them. I think a little bit. I mean, especially one of their starters got benched. I mean, can we just like think about that objectively? How many other teams do you know that benched one of their starters in the secondary for playing so poorly? So there's a lot of holes that this team is going to need to fill this offseason. And they don't have the cap space, quite frankly, to do it. And that's why I think there's going to be a lot of overhaul. But their defense is really young. Their young guys look great for the most part. Um, I hope Eric Stokes can come back and kind of rebound from his sophomore slump plus this horribly gruesome injury. But there's a lot to like look forward to. For me, it's just if you don't change the coordinator, you're going to get the same results. Yeah, exactly. And I think we kind of talked about this a little bit with the Lions recap, but I think your players burn out as well because they don't want to be the ones that have to keep advocating for change and they don't want to have to be the vocal leaders that are expressing their frustration and then being met with, you know, a response that isn't satisfactory to them. We talked about it with Mike Pettin, you know, as well. And now to hear, you know, Jair say something like, Hey, I can play man. I can play. I'm a shut down corner. Let me shadow the best wide receiver. And for that to not be the game plan. And I understand, you know, coach speak as far as we can't let the players dictate everything, or you can't change your entire defense for a player, but we've seen what's working around the rest of the league. And it just feels like the Packers are always so slow to adjust. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, I think that a lot of us as fans respect the way that the coaches coach because they do advocate for their players and they go to bat for them and they give second and third chances. But, you know, Amari Rogers being another example, there's just a lot of moments where it feels like this, this is a Packers team on in every phase that makes adjustments too little too late. And you can argue that that's what costs them, you know, their opportunity at the playoffs in 2022. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was going to be my next point. It was just like they made adjustments. Like you have to give Joe Barry credit for that and Matt LaFleur and the rest of the coaching staff credit for their adjustments, right? Jerry Gray did something to the secondary to make them snap out of it, but it wasn't soon enough, right? And this is, I think, another overarching issue that was exposed this season is I don't think the Packers are like, hard enough on their players when they make mistakes. I think there's like something to be said for a very, you know, brotherhood, loving, family oriented, et cetera, et cetera. But like we hear this all the time, which is this is a business and this is a results based business. And quite frankly, the Packers results were poor. And I don't know if there was like enough done mid season to turn that around again, not in the building. They could have tried and it didn't, get executed properly like that's always a possibility but it does seem to me like the necessary decisions that we as fans and I'm not saying fans are always right we're 100% not but we're kind of all a consensusly an analyst consensusly like calling for 
we're done like three to six weeks too late. I think we can give some credit to Brian Gutekunst, of course, for the way that he's drafted. Obviously, you know, taking out some of the boneheaded mistakes mm-hmm. that Quay Walker made his rookie season. He's going to be very promising as an inside linebacker if he can stay on the field and, you know, clean up some of those mental errors. Devontae Wyatt should have played more. He yeah. looked really good in his snaps. So I thought TJ Slayton made a really good jump in his second year. Um We'll see what happens. I mentioned like Rudy Ford. Justin Hollins was a a midseason find who came in and played really well in spot duty, not appointing him a starter by any means. But, you know, Goody has done such a good job of finding depth pieces. And, you know, he always says like roster building is 365. It's a 365 day a year endeavor. And I think that, you know, this draft class and the guys that he's brought in to be able to compete are a good example of that. So, Hopefully there's more, you know, to be optimistic about in 2023, but I absolutely agree with you that if you don't change the coordinator, you can kind of expect the same or similar results next season, regardless of, you know, these all pros that you have on the roster. Yeah, totally. So one phase that did get a change of a coordinator that played better was special teams. Now, again, we, there is an asterisk here that the fact that Keyshawn Nixon was on the roster and Amari Rogers was returning, well, well, we're going to look past that, right? They made their adjustments again, probably like six fumbles too late, but they made their adjustments and look at what we found, right? Keyshawn Nixon is, should have been voted today by the players as an all pro returner. He is the only player that had over a thousand yards um, of return yards, like just, a revelation. And I think in general, the special teams unit was much more cleaned up than we've ever seen before. Granted, there were, you know, a few missed kicks, a block punt here, that that stuff is going to happen. But just like a night and day overhaul at the position. And I feel comfortable saying like, I am happy that Rich Passaccia is going to come back as a special teams coordinator, because I would love to see like what he can do building off of this season. I agree 100%. And, you know, you have to think the Packers keep Keyshawn Nixon, whether he plays, you know, a limited role in defense next year. You found your returner. Please don't make any adjustments. Let him be. Um, I think it's fun for Rich Passaccia to have an entire, you know, I guess technically he had an entire offseason with him this past season, but they were still under the Amari Rogers experiment. So giving Nixon that opportunity. I did think it was kind of interesting. Um, Pat O'Donnell had two blocked kicks this season, which was the most of his entire career. He had four blocked kicks in eight years with Chicago. And then he comes to green Bay and has two blocked punts in his first and only season. But I agree with you that, you know, although we do have, I think a little bit of like, you know, flashbacks whenever we see a blocked punt in Green Bay. The special teams unit didn't make me hold my breath this year like it would last year. It wasn't, you know, anything that you felt like was going to completely change the trajectory of a game. I think more of those moments came on offense and defense, which is a credit to Rich Passaccia and his unit. Totally. So we've done kind of our all three phases overhaul. What are like our major takeaways from the season? Like, we're walking away from this and we're looking forward and we're saying what? I don't know if this is like maybe too nostalgic and you can yell at me and I'll pick something that's more um, like stats driven or stats based. But if this was Aaron Rodgers last season, like it, it really sucks that this is how it ended with the struggles that we saw on offense and the frustration. And, you know, he said, obviously you can't ride off into the sunset, but you had two MVP seasons. The Packers got really close. They made huge playoff pushes. They were winning 13 games. And they felt like world beaters. And then if this is how this offense fizzles out, like it just felt like a really sad gray area of a way to close the window. And we kind of talked about this in the Lions recap, but my major takeaway, I guess, you know, looking at this more holistically was just that despite all of the promising pieces on offense, you know, and your your rookie wide receivers, despite all of the really nice selections that have been made on defense and the way that that era was hopefully trending up, maybe not with the coordinator, the window is closed. And I think that is the major takeaway from this season is you can have a really good roster or at least really good pieces of a roster. And it's not enough to keep the window propped open. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. I think the Packers feel like they are behind the eight ball right now when it comes to other teams. And that's kind of a scary place to be in the NFL 
Um, you never want to be staying stagnant and you certainly never want to be, you know, prolonging something that isn't giving you the results that you want. And I think it's super unfortunate that the Matt LaFleur era didn't get Aaron Rodgers back to another Super Bowl because there were definitely opportunities. 2020 and 2021 were those opportunities. And now it's done. And I understand why the Packers decided to pay, you know, he won back-to-back MVPs. Like, of course you want to bring him back and see if he can do it again a third time. I kind of understand this season, but this sort of half-ass new age rebuild old age stuck in the mud is I think this season like clearly showed like you've got to pick a lane and stick with it and to me the only lane that's going to get them the end goal that they want which is everyone's end goal in the NFL is a Super Bowl like unfortunately I think the lane is moving on and like tearing it down and rebuilding and they have are gonna they're just prolonging the pain the cap space pain the Aaron Rodgers retiring what does he do trade blah 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 pain like I don't do you want to go through another offseason of that like I don't <laughs> I don't I don't want to go through another offseason of this and I think it's going to end up potentially like hurting a head coach that you can't really properly evaluate until he has another quarterback and it's going to end up hurting players who are in their primes who are you know, not going to be able to like live up to a full potential, whether it's in their offense or defense, it's just, um, they're like the wound is bleeding and there's like, there's band-aids on them and you just, you got to get into surgery and close them up and like move on. Um, and it, it is unfortunate. I agree with you. It like nostalgia is real. We are fans. It's the fan podcast. Like, Aaron Rodgers deserved another Super Bowl. It's super disappointing that his last pass at Lambeau could potentially be an interception. It's super disappointing that his last season was this statistically bad, that he didn't make it to the playoffs. But like in my mind, like fairy tale endings don't exist. Like a handful of guys get them. Peyton Manning got one. Tom Brady could have had one. He chose not to like ride out into the sunset with it. You know, we watched I, I hate to bring it back to Big Ben because he's like one of my least favorites. But like you watched Big Ben last season, you know, and like this is how it ends. This is this is just how it ends sometimes. And I think Packers fans gonna have to like wrap their minds around the fact that like the fairy tale is not going to happen here. Yeah, I think we're stuck right now in Packers purgatory. And yeah. it's just, you know, like this middle ground of and it's what you said after the Lions recap that our friend of the show, Andy Herman, always talks about where you've got all these other teams that are making massive sweeping changes every year because they want to get better. And yes, the Packers took a wide receiver, but they lost one. Yes, they drafted, you know, a couple key pieces, but it just felt like, the, you know, and part of it was a cap space issue, but it felt like every other team was swinging for the fences and the Packers are like bunting to get on first base. And they're just going to see that if they get to first base like maybe they can steal a base or like you know and it just I think that was so tricky for this team is just you you see the the entire division doing it and I think that's prolonging the purgatory and prolonging the gray area and now the decisions are going to hurt worse and they're going to get harder and I I don't want to put too much on Matt LaFleur and I don't think he's like I don't think his seat is hot or anything but it is going to be really unfortunate if like in a season or two, he were to lose his job and move on. And we don't get to see him explore a different quarterback. You know, like you don't want his legacy to solely be tied to Aaron Rodgers. I think is what I'm trying to say, because I think that would be a discredit to him and what he could do in his career with somebody else under center. Yeah. Ugh, I love that bunting analogy so much. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, this season, show, like everything was so hard, everything that should be easy was so so very difficult and I know we've talked a lot about biggest disappointments but do you have one in particular that like you would point to and be like this this to me was the biggest letdown I think that's really hard because every like even the Aaron Rodgers interceptions like I think a lot of that I can find like you know, some type of excuse for like the receivers were injured. He was trying to get on the same page with them. The offensive line wasn't holding up. You know, he was dealing with injuries. So I can make more excuses maybe for the offensive side of the ball. 
I think maybe it was the secondary, honestly, and they played well in spurts. But, you know, we were talking about Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. Even last season, we were talking about them as one of the best safety tandems in the entire NFL. And it felt like both of them just completely disappeared in 2022. And I think they both finished the season with one pick. They had like a handful of passes defense to peace. And I think, you know, for all of the table pounding that we did about thinking a safety was a top priority in the draft, now they're going to draft one, you know, in like the second or third round would be my guess. And that room's going to look different. And you just had an opportunity to have such a successful core that we were all really excited about. You know, I remember in our preseason shows, we were like, who do you throw at? You can't throw at Jair. You can't throw at Rasul Douglas, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out you could throw at the safeties. <laughs> that was it. You can throw at all of them, to be quite honest with you. Um, yeah, I would I would agree with you. Um, the secondary was going to be my my pick of just like all of that talent, just really like not living up to expectations. I Our next superlative is what the most shocking part of the season was. And I think this is where we're going to talk about the red zone um, because all these stats came out today about the Packers offense inside the 10 yard line. And I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was this bad. Um, so just to put it in perspective, right in 2020 and 2021, Aaron Rodgers had respectively 40 touchdowns and 32 touchdowns inside the 10 yard line. Great numbers, beautiful numbers, expected numbers from Aaron Rodgers. In 2022, he had 17. Like, think about how stark of a difference that is. Like, that's appalling. Same with rushing, right? Aaron Jones had 10 rushing touchdowns inside the 10 between the 2020 and the 2021 seasons. I think, I still think that's not enough for him. I still think they don't use him enough in the red zone. He had zero this season. Zero touchdowns from inside the 10. Think about how many goal-to-go situations the Packers were in this season. Even just the Lions game. First and five, first and three, blah, blah, blah. No touchdowns for Aaron Jones. Like this is, and I don't know if this is like a Nathaniel Hackett loss, if this is just like a, you know, a brain drain of offensive minds because like Luke Getze left, et cetera. But you don't have Devonta Adams, who was basically automatic down there. There's probably lots of variables, but like those numbers to me are so shockingly awful even with like the difficulty of this offense and like their inability to kind of like move the ball consistently like you got Aaron Rodgers down there and he threw 17 touchdowns that's just inexcusable and like no wonder they lost so many games you can't win games if you're not scoring touchdowns yeah I think you know that's a really good one we talked about the way that this offense struggled in the red zone. And we talked about that, like a detriment of the season was going to be settling for field goals, which we saw them do a lot. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about prior to the lions game, how there's no way that this offense can put up nine points again. They didn't do much better, you know, 20 to 16. Okay. They got a touchdown. They still kicked three field goals. Like, you know, they had moments all season where they should have been able to put games away and they didn't. Um, my most shocking part, which, Honestly, it shouldn't be a shock at all, but I guess it's just the forever optimist in me that, you know, tries to look for a a silver lining each season. I'll say the run defense again, because we had Kenny Clark. We brought in Jaron Reed. You drafted Vontae Wyatt. TJ Slayton was coming into a second season. You just felt like it was a defensive line group that you could be really proud of. The depth was there. You had Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary setting the edge. And, you know, some of this obviously could be due to the Gary loss. I don't want to put that all on the defensive line, but. Kenny Clark had a down season. You know, the rest of the defensive line had a pretty down season and they were still like 28th in the league against the rush. And I think that again, you know, you get like flashbacks to how the Packers have lost some historically significant games, not to keep going back to the 49ers game, you know, in the NFC championship, but it's just, it's a perpetual problem that has yet to be fixed. So I think that to me is really disappointing. And until the Packers are able to get a handle on a run defense, you know, whatever that looks like, maybe it's, I don't know if it's achievable with Joe Barry at coordinator, but I think that defensive regression has been really frustrating that and the, the sheer number of missed tackles when the Packers were the best tackling defense in the league in 2021. Yeah. Just fundamentals, just lost fundamentals. I really think this team needs to like take a step back and look and just like start from the ground up. And I don't know if they're going to do that. 
So I completely agree with you. This has been a very long episode. So if you're still listening, I appreciate you. I think we'll wrap with bold predictions. Um, I feel like you and I will always take a positive spin. So I do want to like kind of look ahead and think like, what can the Packers do to get better? Because I think there are plenty of things to look for. So I'll let you go first. I don't really think it's bold. You know, like I think when we talked about this pre-show, we were like, are there going to be any coaching changes? It sounds like there aren't, right? Like, you know, maybe they'll bring in Nathaniel Hackett as like an offensive associate or like they'll come up with some type of creative title to maybe bring in some guys. I know there were rumors on Twitter this morning of Mike LaFleur being fired and it turns out those were not true. He got Uh, fired while we were recording this. I was going to wait for this section to... Okay, well, then please talk about it, because I I think this is fascinating. So go ahead. So the Jets parted ways with offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur, obviously Matt LaFleur's brother. If you didn't know that, you're probably living under a rock. Um, And Robert Sala has allowed him to seek any opportunities that he wants. So they're not doing what Kyle Shanahan did, which was like limit where he can interview Personally, this was going to be my one of my bold predictions. I have two. Um, personally, I think he comes to Green Bay, right? Matt wanted him from the get-go. Shanahan said no. So when Salah left, he brought him, you know, with him to the Jets because there was no competition really between the 49ers and the Jets. They're in two different conferences. But now Mike is basically a free agent, if you will, and he can go anywhere. So why would he not come join his brother? Again, it, it would have to mean potentially a demotion from his previous role as offensive coordinator because they have an offensive coordinator. And I don't think they're going to get rid of Stenovich. But there's certainly room for more creative offensive minds. So I wouldn't be surprised if Hackett and Michael Fleur ended up in Green Bay in some capacity. Yeah, I think – and. Again, like, I don't want to keep, you know, talking about Aaron Rodgers negatively. He was one of my favorite players of all time. You know, he will be when he retires. But I just think that there's a lot for us to be excited about. You know, and if Aaron Rodgers comes back, too, I think that this offense can get really creative. But thinking about, you know, Michael Fleur coming back, if they put Nathaniel Hackett in some type of capacity as like an assistant or, you know, consultant, the sheer number of offensive minds that you can get in the room, I think can come up with some really creative things. You know, we've, (laughs) we pounded the table for pony package a lot this season. Didn't see it used that much. Saw the jets use it pretty creatively uh, and pretty effectively. So I think that, you know, with just kind of a, an injection of creativity, this offense can get back to, um, you know, some, some 2020, 2021, like gold zone, quote unquote numbers, um, I think my concern, again, is just for the defensive side of the ball. And it's there's not really a bold prediction here. But I think that if Joe Barry comes back, the season's going to end in disappointing fashion. And I don't think that's bold at all to say. I totally agree with you. Um, I would really like to see the Packers bring in like a young, exciting defensive coordinator. Like, um, like they did with Matt when they brought him in as head coach. Like I want I understand why he maybe wanted someone like established But at this point, like, I want someone that the guys are going to get, like, juiced up to play for, right? Like, someone who's, like, on the sidelines. Like, Robert Sala was when he was a 49ers DC. Like, that's the energy and the vibe that I think these guys need. Not – and this is no hate to Joe Barry. Like, I'm sure that he is a wonderful coach. But when you've got super young guys, like, how much can Joe Barry relate to Quay Walker or to – even Jair Alexander, like what is the energy and like relatability that he brings to the guys on this team? Like, I don't think they like get up to play for him. And I think that's what they need. They need cohesion. Um, My last bold prediction is the Packers are going to make a decision this off season about the quarterback position. Yeah. Like Jordan love is not sitting for another season. He's not going to sit for a fourth year. Either we are going to be rooting for the Jordan Love led Green Bay Packers in 2023, or that man is not going to be on this roster any longer. I personally think that getting rid of him is a huge mistake. You invested a first round pick in him enough to piss off your quarterback, cause all that drama for no reason. And quite frankly, I mean, I saw him at training camp 
as we saw him play in limited fashion, we've heard all the quotes from guys internally. The guy looks good. And I think he's ready to be a starter. And I don't want to wait any longer to see him. And like, it's a hard thing to say again, as someone who's like that, then that means that the Aaron Rodgers era is over. And that's a whole nother thing that I will like deal with when I, we cross that bridge, but they are going to make a decision on him this off season. I agree. Um, I, it's not really a bold prediction, but talking about guys you'd get up for to play defense. I would really love it if the Packers um, could somehow get Brian Flores to come in and be defensive coordinator, but it's not going to happen. Um, so I love that. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, really, really quickly, because this show has gone way longer than we anticipated. Do you have any picks for Wild Card Weekend? I know, obviously, on this show, we will be actively rooting against the Minnesota Vikings, but any, uh, you know, NFC, AFC games you're most excited about, players you're, or teams you're rooting all the way, not really? I'm actually not, like, that intrigued by these games, but I am officially a Bills fan for the foreseeable future. So that's who I'll be rooting for. Um, I love an underdog story, but I will not be rooting for Brock Purdy and the 49ers. Um, and yeah, I just think, I just think that like this season feels like the destiny for the Buffalo Bills. So I'm hopping on that bandwagon. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Bills obviously would be my team to go all the way in the AFC, um, if they can't, Chargers would be fun for our friend Corey Lindsley. Um, looking forward to the hosting the Chargers at Lambeau Field next season. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess in the NFC, maybe maybe the Eagles for a friend of the show, Jacob Westendorf. His dad was a big Eagles fan, but I don't really like anybody in the NFC playoff picture. So um, I guess we're just going to be, be AFC fans for the rest of this show. But any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? I just can't believe this season's over. I just feel like football went so, so, so fast. And the season like wasn't even that fun. <laughs> Hopefully the off season's fun, you know. So um the the football season always goes too fast. And now I guess we will look forward to draft season and we will look forward to being back up at training camp in August. Yeah. There will be a lot for us to talk about, whether Aaron stays, whether Aaron goes, whatever happens with the rest of the offense, the rest of the defense, the coaching staff. Big changes are coming in 1265. Love them or hate them. I think that we can all agree that this team is going to look very different in 2023. So thank you, as always, for listening to the show. You can find Packs What She Said everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make sure you download the episodes. You can find the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. We'll be here all off season talking about everything that's happening around the NFL. Um, and maybe likely some very big changes coming down the pike. So thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week after Wild Card Weekend. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.